Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. We can't wipe out child poverty in every city, but what if we can wipe it out in one city? incredible week here at ACF Church, and uh, there was a little mistake in the video. It said we sponsored over 400 kids. We sponsored over 500 kids in the city of Bobo de Lasso, and that is you guys. That is your generosity, and in, in, a, in a rough week for most of us last week, um, in the face of some real tragedy and difficulty, um, we as a family stepped up to the challenge, and I just can't say thank you enough and so thank you guys again for stepping up and sponsoring the kids. And uh, we've had a lot of questions coming in uh, the last service. You know, is there still kids available? We still have kids available. We've gotten more kids. And so if you were not here last week, if you're not able to participate in sponsoring children through Compassion International, um, you can still do that today. And so see us out in the lobby afterwards, and we'd love to set you up with that. Well, it's been a week, huh? <laughs> It has been a week, and uh, I just want to welcome you guys to church. Thank you guys for taking time out of your busy weeks, out of your crazy weeks to come together and, and just being able to come and worship God. And also, I just want to welcome everybody tuning in online right now, viewing us. If you're not from Alaska, viewing us online, um, welcome. And uh, we've had a busy week. Uh, we've had a crazy week. And um, sleepless nights. Uh, a little anxiety. Um, anybody feel the little 5.0-er this morning? Uh, we were in the lobby. Um, I love it now because people are like throwing money on the table. I got 4.7. I got 5.1. You know, checking our phones. Ah, 5.1 takes the cake, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of become like, what do you do? You, you roll with the punches now. But I know for real, though, lot, so many people have, you know, having anxiety and struggling and a lot of people have had a lot of financial damage to their homes. I know people have had to move out of their homes because they're not safe anymore. And so, um, but what I love, I would say, is I've never been more proud of, to be a part of a community, to be part of a family here, and seeing people come together. Um, it's just been nothing but nonstop storytelling for the last week. Um, and that's good. That's a good thing. I love it. I go in um, at Fred Meyer, and I'm checking out, and the person checking me out is like, hey, how you doing? How's your house? Everything okay? Do you need help? 
um, I just love being part of this community. And we just want to let you know, too, here at ACF, we've actually set up kind of like a command center here. Um, and, and so we're just taking people who say they need help or letting us know they need help in the church, in the community, and we're, we're, we're connecting them with people who, who have told us that they're willing to help. And so if you're on either end of that, you know, you can come and talk to us, call the office, uh, email the office. We actually brought somebody in uh, as, uh, just for a couple hours a week uh, for the next several weeks just to help facilitate this. Um, and so if, you, if you're in either of those camps, let us know. We want to be a blessing to the community for sure. Um, and, so, and, and to you guys as well. And so if you need help or if you know of anyone that needs help, let us know that. But this morning, really what I would like to do uh, as we're getting ready, as we're coming to church, as we're here now, is let's do this together. Can we do this? Can we all just take a deep breath in? Hold it. Let it out. Let's be present this morning. Let's kind of let this past week and the craziness that it was, let's let it kind of roll off our back for just a moment. For just a moment. And I would love for us to come together this morning and, and, and worship our God, and let's learn together, let's grow together, and uh, let's be family together this morning. Can we do that? Um, and as being family together this morning, one thing I'm excited about is, as well as it being uh, earthquake season up here in Alaska, um, it's also Christmas season. And it's here, if you didn't know, it might have fallen off your radar for the last week, but we are in the Christmas season. And I, I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of year. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be in a series called Awkward Family Christmas. Awkward Family Christmas. Anybody in here ever been part of an awkward situation during Christmas time because of your family? Just me. That's cool. Like, all right. Thank you. Me and Jake. All right. Thanks, Jake. We're the only two who have been awkward family Christmas situations. Um, I remember, like, literally, like, there's been times during Christmas season when we're going to go hang out with people or go hang out with family, and I'm just like, I just can't wait to find out what's going to be said. Like, I, I'm just really excited to hear the words that are being coming out of some of people's mouths, and I'm going to have to just not say anything. Um, but I think we've all experienced some sort of awkwardness within our families, um, especially around the holidays. And so the cool thing about it is, is Jesus had an awkward, like, earthly family. And if you really start following the lineage of Jesus, it gets a bit crazy, like, it gets to the place where you're like, yeah, I, I wouldn't even write that in the Bible. I would just sweep that one under the rug. Like, didn't you have an uncle that was like, no, we don't talk about him. No, I, uncle, what, I don't know what you're talking about. We do not have a crazy uncle. Uh, but, but I love that God chooses to insert himself into humanity. And he doesn't choose this perfect family. He doesn't choose this perfect situation. Um, he chooses a family in, in a situation that, that's a bit messed up. And uh, there's some, some, some things I think we can learn from that uh, over these next few weeks. And so we're going to dive into that this morning. We're going to talk the Christmas story. Um, we're going to be in the book of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 1. And so if you guys want to follow along in your Bibles, you can. But in just a moment, if you want to just sit and listen, I'm going to read to us. Um, but before we do that, I want to set the situation up for you. I want to set the scenario up for you. Because I don't want to assume that everyone in this room kind of knows the biblical Christmas story. And so what's going on, it's about 2,000, a little over 2,000 years ago is where, um, where we're going to enter into the story. And uh, Rome ruled the world. Rome had conquered the known world, 
occupied the known world, and there was the nation of Israel had been conquered uh, by Rome, and Rome was now their occupiers and their oppressors. And uh, that's what's going on in, in the area at the time, but also what's going on beyond that is it has been over 400 years since anyone from Israel had heard from God. God had been silent for over 400 years. No, no prophecies, no angels showing up, no priests hearing from the voice of God. Complete silence for 400 years. And so that, that's where our scene kind of starts here this morning. And so we're going to be in the uh, book of Luke, chapter 1, and we're going to read a little chunk of scripture here. So I want you guys to hang with me and, and just sit, hear the story, and enjoy it. Um, but before we jump into the story, is I, I was talking about how it had been over 400 years since anyone had heard from God. And then what we're, what we're going to read is we're going to read about when, when, when Jesus shows up and then a little bit before that. But does anybody know, can anyone tell me, who was the first person to hear from God after 400 years? Who was the first person to hear that a Messiah, a Savior, was on the way? Who was that? Shout it out. Nope. Anybody else? What's that? Zachariah. Zachariah. Nice. Zachary got the answer. Get this man a prize. You can have some eggnog in the lobby just for you afterwards. Cookies available too. So there's this guy named Zachariah. Zachariah is the first person to hear from God, from anybody In over 400 years. And he's about to hear some amazing news. And so we're going to jump into the story about Zechariah. In the days of Herod, the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the customs of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple, <clears throat> to enter uh, to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside in the hour of incense. And there happened, there hap- and there appeared uh, to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled. And when he saw him, uh, fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to their Lord God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. 
right here when I read this, I like to put a son right before I'm Gabriel, so it sounds like this. Son, I am Gabriel. Like, Gabriel's telling him off a minute here. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when the time of service was ended, he went to his home, After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. So we have this interesting story here of this pretty random priest named Zechariah. Now what we'll find out later is that uh, his wife Elizabeth is actually... Uh, is actually related to Mary, and and that there's a relation there, that he is actually part of this exterior family of Jesus. But we have this priest named Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth, pretty unassuming people, and and kind of probably lowly because they had no kids. Now we read that Zachariah was a priest, and and what we read is it says that, that his, his like section was on, was on, was on duty for the time. You see, in the area um, a lot of people think like, oh, there was like one priest. If you know anything about kind of Israel, you know about the priests and you know about the temples. And a lot of people think, oh, there's one, two, three priests that kind of did these things. But in all reality, there was about 18,000 priests in the area. And so because there were so many priests, what they would do is they would divide them up in these divisions. And so you would wait and then when your division was on duty, then you would go to the temple, you would live there, you would stay there, you'd perform the rituals and the responsibilities at the temple for usually like a week, and then you'd go home. And even within your division, there were like hundreds of priests. And so what they would do is they would show up to the temple when you were on, when you were on duty, when it was your turn to show up, and they would, what is called cast lots to find out who was going to do what. Now, basically casting lots is essentially like rolling dice today. And they believed that God was in control of every single finite detail. And so by casting lots, by rolling dice, God was choosing which priest he wanted to perform what duty. And so you would go to the temple, and you might not do anything. It it could be like years before your name ever got called to do anything. And so they'd be like, okay, who's offering the sacrifices this week? And they'd roll the dice. Who's doing this? this who's preaching this week? Who's teaching the people? Who's leading the prayers? They'd, roll the, they'd cast the lots. They'd cast the lots. Now, one of the responsibilities was much more, um, was, was, was kind of highly sought after, was, was something that everybody wanted to do. It was an honor to do it, and that was to burn the incense. To burn the incense meant that you got to go into the holy place. You got to go and be in close to God. Now, for them, God lived in the holy of holies, and that's not where the incense was. Only the high priest got to go into the Holy of Holies at certain times of the year. But the Holy of Holies was in a room, and that room was in another room, and that room was called the Holy Place. And there we see like the, the, the incense, we see the table of showbread and some other things where 
a priest could go in, but only when he was chosen to, and burn incense, which represented the worship of the people to God. And this was such an honor to do that if your name ever got drawn, if you ever got called to do it, if the lot ever fell on you, you could got to do it one time your entire life. One time your entire life. And so you can imagine, Zechariah, he, he's an old man, we read. And so he had been going to the temple for years upon years upon years, and his name never getting called. And then one day he goes and the lot falls on him. And I can guarantee you that this would have been the highlight of his life. The lot falling on him would have been the highlight of his life. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But it's interesting. The lot falls on him. He goes in and he starts performing the rituals. He starts performing the duties of the priest, which was to burn the incense, to offer the worship to God. And it's like, wham! Everything changes for him right then and there, right? All of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears, and Zechariah is not ready for this. He is not expecting this. And really, kind of what I see in this situation is that Zechariah, he went through the motions with no expectation. He went through the motions with no expectation. Zechariah was going through the motions, the rituals, the traditions of the priest, but he was not expecting to have an encounter with God that day. He was not expecting to hear from God that day. He's probably over there thinking, man, today's an awesome day. I get to have this amazing experience, a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that not every priest got. But then God shows up, but he was not expecting that whatsoever. And and it made me think, how often are, are we like this, right? How often do we do this? See, Zechariah, he trusted in these traditions. He trusted in these rituals that he was doing. In fact, this had been like given to them by God, right? He got to be a part of it. He was part of of, of this temple process, this temple system. All of Israel was part of this temple system. But the truth of the matter is the temple system was never given to Israel to know God. It was given to them to know about God. And there's there's a big difference there. Zechariah was part of this system to know about God, but the system in itself is not how he knew God. And I think we can fall into this a a whole bunch. I think we still have these kind of traditions and rituals that we do today, and and we kind of enter into them with no expectation, never really expecting God to show up, never really expecting to hear from God, to have an interaction with them. Simple things like showing up to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. Coming to church, like that's kind of, for a lot of people, that's tradition. That's what you do. What do you do on Sundays? You go to church. But what we've done is we've made it more tradition and ritual than coming with an expectation, like I'm going to have an encounter with God here today. Right? And even within our own structure of church, even when coming together, we have traditions within this. We, we sing songs, and the band gets up here, and they play music, and and we call this thing worship, but it's, it's just it's words, it's singing, it's, it's tradition, it's what we do. We do this thing called communion, right? We come up and we, we have this piece of cracker, we have this grape juice, and we, we take it, we dip it, we eat it. It's reminding us of God, it's a tradition. And, and these things are not bad. Hear me out, these things are not bad. Like the temple traditions, the temple work was like literally out of the mouth of God is what they're supposed to do. 
These things were good. And, and, and coming together, like this is scriptural. Paul says, do not forsake coming together. This idea of, of, of worship, again, scriptural. Like when you come together, sing psalms and spiritual songs together, praising God. Right? Jesus himself gave us the, insti- not the institution, but this, this thing we call communion. Jesus said, this is what I want you to do when you come together, so that's what we do. But I think so often, like Zechariah, we can kind of get into this routine where it's like, I trust the tradition. The tradition's good. It, it teaches me about God. These things remind me of God. I can come to church and I can learn about God. But unless we have an actual living relationship with Jesus Christ, it is, it, these things are not the relationship. Right? Coming to church does not mean that you have this personal connection with God. You know, raising your hands in, in, during worship time does not mean that, like, oh, now, now you have this relationship with God. These, these are part of this tradition that they're designed to draw us into a deep relationship with him. But if we keep them at arm's length and we say, oh, this is tradition, I think, like Zechariah did, like, this is what you do. This is what the priest does. This is what I'm commanded to do, so I'm going to do it. But there's the difference between knowing about God and and knowing God within this tradition. And I think oftentimes we can miss Jesus within the even act of coming to church every single week. Because I'm good. I go to church. I don't don't need anything. I don't need, you know, I'm good. Church is good. You know, and we can miss Jesus. I think just like Jesus showing up at the temple, right? These priests, they completely missed him. People completely miss him. He's right there. Why? Because they had their traditions. They didn't need Jesus. And, and, and I think, you know, Zechariah, he showed up to the temple not expecting God to meet him there. And again, I ask, how often do we do that? I think if we approached Sundays or just coming together at church or coming together in your life groups, and if we approached it with, man, I fully expect the Holy Spirit to speak to my heart today. I fully expect God to draw me deeper into a relationship with him. I fully expect to, to have a, a maybe small but um, a new revelation of who God is or just be reminded of God's greatness and it's going to go in deep into my heart and go deep into my soul and again continue to draw me towards him. If we had that expectation, I think we might treat this differently. I think we might treat coming together in each other's homes differently. Like if you believe like, what is being spoken is the word of God. I, I might take some notes. I, if God spoke to me, I, I might want to write it down. I don't know about you, but I've found as I get older in life, I forget things. Right? I remember being like 19, 20 years old, hearing from God, going through experience, going, I will never forget this. Now I can't even remember the things I said I would never forget. Right? To write these things down. Like what if when we entered into time of worship, that we really believed that we were in the presence of the living God. If we really believed scripture that said, man, that our worship is like a fragrance to God, an amazing aroma to him, that our praises go up to heaven and become an aroma to God. Like if we believe that, we might approach it differently than, I don't know, this song, that band is, yeah, they're, they're so-so today, they were better last week. Right, like We would approach it differently, I believe, and we would have an expectation to meet God. You see, so we have this situation where this angel shows up, right? 
And he's like, Zechariah, I got good news for you. Your prayers have been answered. And Zechariah's like, no, they're not. I don't think so. No, not me. Right, not me. Prove it to me, angel. I, I don't believe you. Right, you see, Zechariah, he had faith in scriptures. He had the faith that the scriptures were true, but just not true for him. I think we do this a lot. Zechariah had faith that scriptures were true, just not true for him. Right? Like the angel's like, Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. And his response is, angel, I am really old. And if you think I'm old, you should meet my wife. Right? Like, I'm, I'm old, but my wife, she is really old. You can't answer this prayer. God can't do this. God can't do this. I think that's maybe why the angel took Zechariah's voice. Because like, if you talk like that, this thing's never going to happen. You will never have a son. You keep calling your wife old like that. No more talking for you. Right? You can't, this can't be, this can't happen. Yet Zechariah knew the scriptures. Undoubtedly, he had taught them many times. Right? He had taught about Abraham and Sarah being advanced in years, even older than him, and having a child. He had taught about Hannah being advanced in years and having a child. See, he believed the scriptures. He just didn't believe that they are true for him. How often do we live this out in our lives? How often have I done this in my life where I go, God, I totally believe you. I believe the word of God. I believe the scriptures. I believe you came. I believe you were alive. I believe you're here. I believe you answer prayer. I believe that you can do miracles. I believe the scriptures. I just don't believe they're true for me. I don't believe you're going to do this in my life. I think it's true for other people. I'll pray for other people. I believe that God can do a miracle in your life. I believe that God wants to work in your life. I believe that God wants to heal your relationship. I believe that God wants to answer this prayer, but not in my life. Not in my life. It's true. It's just not true for me. God doesn't want to work in, in my life. And I think oftentimes, man, we, we live this out in our own lives. We walk this every day. Because if we really believe that the scriptures were true, if we really believe that they are true for us and applied to us today, again, I think we would live our lives just a little bit differently. We'd have a faith just a little bit deeper. We'd have a trust in a God who says that he is with us. And, 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 and things like what happened on Friday, albeit I understand, it's scary. And it doesn't mean that we're never scared, but it means like, man, I, I still, even in all of this, I can trust that God knows me, loves me, cares about me. He is in control. And the scriptures are true, and they're true for me today. See, but what ends up happening, I think, a lot of times is we also believe that the Bible is true like someday. Does that make sense? We believe the Bible's true, and we believe it's true someday. Like, Zechariah undoubtedly believed that God was going to send a Savior, but he was going to send him someday. Just not today. Today is not the day God keeps his promise. And I think as Christians now today, we can do this too, where we go, man, someday I'm going to meet God and everything will be fulfilled. Someday I'm going to stand face to face before God and he will have kept all his promises at that point. I can have faith in him at that point. 
I can have trust in him at that point someday. When I die, things are going to get good. But that's not the God we serve. That's not the God that we serve. That's not what Jesus meant when he said, I came to bring you life and bring it to you abundantly. He's talking about today, right now. But like I said, we, we kind of have this idea of like, God doesn't want to meet me where I'm at right now in my place. And our faith becomes someday. And, and like we look at scripture, I think, even today as the church, and we go, yeah, we have this Christmas season, right? And we say, yes, God, you came as a child. I totally believe that. I, yes, God, I believe you came as, as Jesus through the Virgin Mary. I totally believe that. And, and my, personally, my favorite kind of word at Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, God, I believe that there was the separation for you, and then you stepped into humanity, and you came with us. God, I believe that, but not today, not at work, right? Not tomorrow at 6.30 a.m., Monday morning when I have to get up, right? Not in the mess of my job, and my boss is crazy, my coworkers won't listen to me, right? Not in that, not in calculus, right? Not in chemistry. God is not in calculus, right? Not in any AP class. God is not in that, right? God with us, Emmanuel. Again, we say we believe the scriptures are true, but not true for me tomorrow or on Tuesday or Wednesday when life is just a grind, and it's just trying to make it to the weekend. It's just trying to make it through these holidays. It's just trying to make it through whatever it is you're going through. Yeah, the scriptures are true, but they're just not true in this situation. Yes, God is with us, but he's not with me. And I think that's, that's where Zechariah was. And I think that's where so many of us are. I know that's where I found myself over and over again. God, you are with us, but you're not with me. But there's good news. There's such good news. Zechariah's empty prayers were heard by a God who was full. Zechariah's empty prayers were heard by a God who was full. A God who was full of mercy. A God who was full of justice. A God who was full of grace. A God who was full of truth. A God who was full of love. He heard these empty prayers of Zechariah. I can only imagine how these prayers went, right? Because the angel shows up to Zechariah and he's like, Zechariah, your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been heard. Now, I believe with all my heart, he's talking about two separate individual prayers that Zechariah had been praying. I think the first prayer Zechariah had been praying was for a son. That they'd been praying for a son. That him and Elizabeth, I'm sure as newly married couple, they start praying for a child. They start praying for a child and it's not happening. And it's not happening. They're watching their friends have kids. And they're praying for a child, and it's not happening, and, and he's fervently praying. But then he starts to get a little older, and he's like, well, I'm going to keep praying, right? And all of a sudden, it kind of turns into a prayer of obedience. It's like, well, I'm supposed to pray, so I will, but it's not going to happen. I'm supposed to have faith that God can do miracles, so I'll pray, even though it's not going to happen. I'm going to pray for my mom's salvation. She's never getting saved. Right? I'm going to pray for my coworker's situation, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's rough. 
I want to pray for this relationship to be restored, but we all know it's not. Right? As he gets older, he's praying for a son, and it's like, my wife, whew, she's getting old. She can't even have kids anymore. And I wonder even if his prayers had waned, had stopped praying for a son, like, just not for me. And the other prayer that he undoubtedly had been praying for, especially as a priest, was the prayer for a savior. The prayer for a savior for Israel, for the promises to be true, for the promises to be kept, for Isaiah's prophecy to actually happen. And I'm sure he'd been praying for this and praying for this, but if I had to really take a guess, probably not believing it was going to happen, at least in his lifetime. And the angel shows up and he's like, I'm going to answer your prayers two for one. You're getting a son and he is leading the way. For the Messiah to show up. And Zechariah's like, no, he's not. But this angel just, Gabriel, and I love Gabriel's response. Do you know who you're talking to? I stand in the presence of the Lord. And you doubt me? But man, and I I, I remember reading this going, Zechariah, you fool. Crazy man. You not believe an angel showing up? then how often do I do that in my own life? I don't trust, I don't believe. I read God's promises, I'm like, yeah, those are true, just not true for me. Right, and I throw up empty prayers. God, I I pray for this, but I don't really believe that this is ever gonna happen. But I'm supposed to pray, it's what good Christians do, so I'm I'm gonna do, but fortunately the good news is we serve a God who is full who was full, who was bigger than our empty prayers, and is going, Zechariah, when you first started praying for a son, I heard you, but I have a greater plan. I have a greater plan. And I think oftentimes when we pray, I know this is me, and maybe you can relate to this, but I know a lot of times when I've prayed in my life, my prayers have, have sounded like this. It says, God, I know you can, but I doubt you will. God, I know you can restore this relationship, but I doubt you will. God, I know you can offer healing in this situation, but I doubt you will. God, I know you hear me, but I, I doubt you're going to move for me. And I think that's what Zachariah struggled with. I think we can struggle with the same thing today. I know that I do. That often I approach God in my prayers with just full of doubt that he would ever want to move on my behalf. But the end of the story is it's a beautiful story. And the, there's such good news with this is that through all of Zachariah's strife and, and longing for a child and and growing up and growing old and, and, and really shame being on their family because they had no child. And then we see God show up after 400 years of silence. But it, in the middle of this, Zechariah gets cursed. But what we see is Zechariah's curse becomes his praise. Zechariah's curse becomes his praise. The angel's like, I'm going to shut you up. Like, you just need to stop talking, Zechariah. Stop calling your wife old. Stop saying God can't do this. Right? He says, because you didn't believe, you're not going to speak. And, and up front, it's this, this curse that it gets put upon him where he can't speak until his son is born. But 
I believe what happens and what we read even what happens is that this curse becomes a praise. That every time Zechariah wants to speak, every time he wants to talk to his wife about their son that's going to be born, he can't. And he's reminded that he had an encounter with God, that he heard from God. It was an encounter with an angel, but it was the word of God being spoken to him. Every time he wants to converse with his friends, or maybe every time the lot falls on him to teach at the temple, he can't. And he's reminded about this interaction that he has where he understands that God keeps his promises. And I don't know about you, but I know that my wife and I, we've walked through some difficult, hard times in our life. Times that have felt like curses even. But now when I'm able to look back upon those times, now when I'm able to look at that, now when I'm able to reflect on what God has done, I look back and, and can see that those things that seem like curses are actually blessings now in my life. And they, they lead to praise. There's even things the other week we put our Christmas tree up and we actually intentionally we have some ornaments on our tree that remind us of difficult times in our life. One of our traditions is to pull out each ornament one at a time and just reflect and talk about the memory that's attached to that. And we have some stuff that reminds us of times that we've gone through that were really difficult. And we look at it and we go, man, God is good. And they lead to praise. They lead to glorifying God. And what we read even when Zechariah, when John is born and Zechariah says his name's going to be John, like no one even knows. Like everyone's like, yeah, his name's Zechariah because that's what you do. That's tradition. And he's like, no, his name is John. He writes it down and boom, immediately he's able to speak again. And it says that like everybody's astonished, everybody's blown away that Zechariah can speak again and, and it spreads like wildfire through the area and people start worshiping and glorifying God. Through what seemed to be a curse now becomes praise to God. I just want to close today with this thought. You know, where do you stand? Where are you with this, with this walk with God? Is it where it's mostly this, just this tradition? It's like, yeah, maybe I said yes to Jesus, but it, it's showing up to church. It's doing the thing. It's coming on Sundays. It's what you do. You sing some songs. You eat a cracker, and you go about your day. You go into your week, and, and that's the extent of it. Maybe you're here today, and, and you've never said yes to Jesus, and you're like, yeah, this whole church thing's kind of weird. It's kind of crazy. Um, you're not wrong. It is kind of weird and crazy. But there's something deeper inside of it, something deeper that holds it up, that gives it its value, and that's this relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're here today going, I'd like to know a little bit more about that, about this Emmanuel, about this God with us. But I want to end just sharing just this quick story of my father-in-law. My father-in-law said yes to Jesus many, many, many years ago. But for him, that was the end of it. Yes, I'm a Christian. I've said yes to Jesus. I've put my faith in him. I'm going to heaven, not going to hell. And now I live my life. And for him, it was the end of the story. Okay, I'm this Christian. You go to church because that's what you do. That's what Christians do. They go to church. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to show up. But even then, that, that kind of tradition started to not have tons of value for him. 
And he kind of started to even not do that anymore, and his job didn't allow him, and he didn't work real hard to try to be with the people and hear from God, and it was just like, no, I'm a Christian, it's what I do. I'll see you in heaven. And then just, just a few weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, he's listening to a podcast in the car, which is a miracle of itself, he doesn't normally do that. But he's listening to a podcast, he's listening to this preacher talking, and this preacher's talking about how saying yes to Jesus is the beginning of the story, not the end of the story. It's where it starts, and then from there, from there, you, you, you grow into this incredible relationship, it's this life of learning of who God is, and knowing him deeper, and knowing him more. You know, it's not about the traditions. The traditions teach us who God is, but they are not God. My father-in-law went, that's me. I spent my entire life going, I've said yes to Jesus, that's the end of the story. I've done the traditions, I've done this thing, they're empty, but I've been treating it like the end of my story. I, need, I, I, want, cha- I want this to be the beginning of my story. I want to learn about this God. I want to, I want to be pulled deeper in a relationship with him. And this incredible change has happened in his life. And so this morning, I just want to throw that at you, throw that to you, that question of where are you? Are you like Zachariah, just walking through the traditions? They're good traditions, don't get me wrong. They're given to them and to us by God. They're scriptural. But that is not where salvation lies. Salvation lies in the child that came, God, with us. So I, I want you to challenge yourself with that this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, God, for a moment with you. God, in a week that's been hectic, in a week that's been crazy, in a week that's been filled with fear and anxiety and stress for so many of us, even those who didn't experience the earthquake. God, that just seems to be what life brings at us constantly. But God, in the midst of that, we can know you. God, in the midst of our traditions, we can know an everlasting and ever-loving God. God, in the midst of the nine-to-five, in the midst of the daily grind, we can be changed by you. We can experience you. And God, that is my prayer for us this morning, that we would experience you in such a deep way, such a real way, just like Zechariah, something undeniable, that even if we question it, that we would be changed by it. God, that your Holy Spirit would interrupt our lives, pull us out of the monotony, God, into a real, true deep relationship with you. God, help us not to trust the tradition. Help us to trust you. Jesus, forgive us for our empty prayers. Forgive us for our doubts. Forgive us for trusting in Scripture, just not trusting it for us. Lord, teach us. Teach us what it truly means to walk Step in step with you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. Amen.